we inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to AFA at the Core here on the American Family Radio Network. So good good to be, not good, (laughs) Uh, it's not good to be with you today. It's good to be with you today here on the American Family Radio Network. Uh, A lot of folks tell me I have a deep southern accent, so maybe that's the problem uh, with my pronunciation uh, so glad to be with you today here on the radio network. AFA at the core is the name of the show. I'm Walker Wildman. Um, our website, our URL is AFR.net. AFR.net is our website. We also have an app that is available for you, an American Family Radio app that you can download on your smartphone and your tablet device. Um, uh, an easy way to listen to the radio network, American Family Radio, and more specifically, this show, AFA at the core. We're live streaming on YouTube and Facebook. Just type in AFA at the core, the uh, YouTube channel and the Facebook page. Type in AFA at the core and you can watch the live stream there. Um, and then we are launching the AFA streaming platform on November 1st. On November 1, 2021, we're going to launch the AFA streaming platform. And when we initially launch it, uh, we'll have all kinds of AFA-produced content. Uh, We'll have select radio programs uploaded after the show on that platform so you can watch the shows after the fact, just like you do with the podcast listening to it. Um, And then in 2022, in uh, 2022, hopefully early 2022, we're going to launch a live streaming uh, option on that platform. So first, we're just going to start off with uploaded content. And then next year, we're going to head towards uh, the goal of having a live streaming option on that platform. So you can actually watch shows like AFA at the Core Live uh, that you do on YouTube and Facebook. Currently, we're going to head towards a live option there on that platform because I've got stories today um, and these big platforms that are run by these big third-party conglomerate monopolies, uh, they are, you know, they're just taking down the truth. And they've been doing this for years. This is not a new thing. It's not a, it's not a new scandal. Uh, these platforms have been taking down content for a long, long time now, content that they simply don't like. There's nothing objectionable, nothing unreasonable, nothing untruthful with much of this content that they're pulling down, uh, but it just doesn't line up with their ideology and their politics. So they yank it down off their platform because they just don't like it and it hurts people's feelings. <laughs> so we're going to we're gonna create our own video streaming platform. We're doing that now. And uh, we're going to launch that in November on November 1st, and then it, we'll have the live option in next year, hopefully early next year. Our scripture for the week is Proverbs 3, verse 19 and 20. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps broke open and the clouds dropped down the dew. That's describing the Lord's creation as uh, read about and learned about in uh, Genesis chapter 1 and and other chapters there in uh, the book of Genesis. God's creation uh, referenced there in Proverbs chapter 3. Jumping right into our content for today, uh, this this uh, debate in Washington D.C. or this this show this show in Washington D.C. 
about the whole spending bill and the so-called infrastructure bill. Um, I want to give you a little bit of background and go ahead and tip you off where I think this is headed. Um, a couple things here. The, the debate currently is about two different pieces of legislation, two different legislative items. One of them is the 3.5, roughly. They don't even know what the final number is going to be. They've been saying $3.5 trillion for the reconciliation spending package. This is basically an annual budget that, that Congress is trying to pass. Basically, the Democrats are trying to pass. $3.5 trillion is what they're trying to spend for that piece of legislation. Then the second bill that they are debating is uh, a so-called infrastructure package. And I can't just, with a straight face, call it an infrastructure package without the caveat there because what's in it is not a whole infrastructure. Uh, they've got all kind of Democrat wish list items. But um, that's the two pieces of legislation. The infrastructure bill, they're starting at $1.5 trillion. Who knows where that's going to end? Uh, we won't really know until they release the text of the legislation, which they're known to do, I don't know, about a day before they vote on it. Uh, about 2,500 pages, they'll release it maybe 24 hours before the vote if we're lucky. Uh, so the chances of being able to read and understand that legislation is very slim. But we can get a peek of what's inside it, what's inside of the legislation. And this uh, this article I found on westernjournal.com, and it says, here's a headline, four of the most ridiculous items hidden inside Biden's $3.5 trillion budget that you probably haven't seen. Uh, the first thing that this uh, this column points out is something called tree equity. And I'm not making this up. I'm not lying. This is not Trivia Friday. This is not April Fool's. Uh, tree equity, $3 billion. Man, wouldn't we love to just have $3 billion? <laughs> I could do a lot of good with $3 billion. Well, uh, the Democrats have put in this tree equity, no joke here, and the tree equity is... Um, here, here's here's what Fox Business says about it. The Agriculture Committee earmarked $3 billion to plant trees, but not just anywhere. Instead, the program promises, quote, a priority for projects that increase tree equity, end quote. So what on earth tree equity is, I have no idea. Uh, they don't define what tree equity means in the bill. Um, However, Fox Business noted the definition from conservation group American Forest, which says the concept, quote, identifies the cities that can gain the most significant health, economic, and climate benefits from by increasing tree canopy in places of high need. <laughs> wow. Uh, we, our government is into the tree planting business. Man, talk about priorities. Um, another thing here is, uh, by the way, the whole tree equity thing it's a big waste of money, and here's one of the primary reasons. Uh, many of you know this, but if you've ever worked in uh, city ordinances, local municipality ordinances when it comes to building a building or, or, or paving a parking lot, any kind of construction you do, there are all kinds of stipulations involved with doing such. And one of them in many parts of the country, I know it's true here locally, is if you cut down a bunch of trees, you got to replace them. I mean, you can't just start cutting down trees in city limits and not have to report to the city and replace them or financially uh, uh, financially pay back the city, basically, for cutting down the trees. You've got to replace those trees. Now, whatever you think about that rule, that's the reality of part of the country, if not the majority of municipalities across the country. Uh, so I say all that to say 
We are not at a shortage of trees in America. We are not at a shortage of trees in America. As a matter of fact, along much of the roads and highways, you'll see these trees, too many trees planted in the median of the road. And you ask yourself, why on earth do we have like 3,000 trees planted in the median of this highway and they're all crammed up together? Well, that's because of this whole, all the code and law surrounding uh, planting trees that you cut down, replanting trees that you cut down. All of that gets into uh, why you have so many trees placed in these odd locations that nobody maintains, and it ends up being a, a cosmetic disaster. Uh, but nonetheless, I digress. America is not at a shortage of having trees planted, so we don't need Congress planting more trees. The point number two in this article is uh, we're going to fund bias training in healthcare. $25 million is going to go to quote, anti-discrimination and bias training, end quote, in healthcare. According to the New York Post, the budget calls for the Treasury to give the money to the nonprofits, to nonprofits in order to develop, disseminate, or disseminate, sorry, review and research and evaluate training for health professionals and all staff who interact with patients to reduce discrimination and bias in the provision of healthcare with a focus on maternal healthcare. Um, so, uh, bias training, and what that gets at is what the left calls bias, which is anything that they disagree with is is called bias. Point number three is high-performance green buildings. That's one of the sections in the bill that we're going to fund, our taxpayers and the Treasury Department with their printing press. $1 billion is going towards high-performance green buildings. $1 billion. They're going to completely retrofit, uh, let's see, this department. Uh, the General Services Administration, who knows what they do, nobody knows what they do, uh, is getting $1 billion to convert its facilities to this standard. According to the UK's Daily Mail, this process will reportedly take 10 years. What a construction project. 10 years to retrofit the General Services Administration building uh, to convert its facilities to this standard. The high-performance green building standard is what that's called. Uh, so there you go. Priorities, priorities. The last item, and then we'll move on because I know this is boring you, is uh, tax enforcement. Uh, $80 billion, actually. $80 billion is going to go towards tax enforcement. Well, doesn't that sound, doesn't that sound great? <laughs> Be careful what you wish for. This is a terrible idea, and here's why. The Biden administration, they're wanting to hire thousands more. I think the number is 20,000, but don't quote me on that. But I can say confidently they're wanting to hire thousands of more IRS agents to enforce tax code and to enforce tax law. And you may say, that's great because I'm tired of waiting seven hours to talk to an IRS agent on the phone. <laughs> and I, I get that that uh, sentiment. But folks, the more IRS agents we hire, the more time they have to dig into our finances. All right? The more time they have to dig in to the finances of all their political opponents and everybody they disagree with, and and meddle around in uh, tax law and tax code so they can pester you and I till eternity's uh, past. Uh, so that's what the Biden administration is trying to do. 80 billion bucks going to hire thousands of more IRS agents so they can harass us like they did uh, under the Obama administration and the lowest learner days at the IRS. But I conclude this entire discussion by um, predicting that the media is going to try to blame this entire spending bill and this entire debate. They're going to try to, if it fails, they're going to try to blame this on the Republicans. They're going to try to blame this entire 
a fiasco on the Republicans. Mark my word, they're going to go, the Republicans aren't going along. They're, um, they're obstructing Congress. They're obstructing the legislative process. We're just trying to pass a spending bill, and the Republicans won't come along to get along. Um, that's what's going to happen, and the Republicans, they're going to be the big bad guys. Uh, they're going to be the Grinch that stole Christmas. But here's what is really going on. What is really going on, and I'll play a clip after the break to corroborate this, but what is really going on is the Democrats can't agree on anything. The Democrats can't agree in their own party on anything. you got the radicals, and then you got the more radicals. There are no more moderates in the Democrat Party. Mark my word on that. They're all radical. It's just about how radical they are. Uh, you got the Pelosi's. They're just the radicals with a small r at the beginning. And then you got the AOC's and the um, and the Rajita Tlaib and the others that are that are radical with a capital R. Uh, they're all radical, but they're having this uh, uh, party infighting about whether we're going to fund like a thousand uh, green New Deal buildings or like a hundred. And so they're having this debate. Not that's not a literal example, but you get the point. They're arguing about how radical it's going to be. Uh, so they can't agree, and that's the problem. That's why these bills haven't passed yet, is you've got so much infighting with the Democrat Party that they don't know what bills they're going to pass. So uh, be careful out there reading the headlines when the media and the Democrats try to turn this whole thing on the Republicans. It has nothing to do with the Republicans. They can pass the reconciliation bill, the 3.5. They can pass that without one Republican vote through the reconciliation process. They can pass that right now, today, uh, jam it through, sign it into law. I'm not saying that's a good idea. It's a terrible bill. But this is all on the Democrats. This is all on the Democrats. And if Republicans were in charge, if Republicans were in the majority of both houses of Congress, both chambers of Congress, and then there was a Republican president, this would be all about the Republicans. This would be all about the Republicans, how they can't agree on anything, how they're going to shut the government down, how they're going to make uh, the U.S. go into default on all of our loans, our millions of millions of trillions of dollars in loans that the uh, U.S. Treasury Department had and the Fed has. So this is all about the Republicans. This is their government. This is their country. They're running the country. They're in the driver's seat. Uh, so it's their responsibility to fund the government to pass this legislation. So uh, don't take it, the media's word for it, that this is somehow a Republican problem. Republicans have little to nothing to do with this legislation. AFA at the core. I'm Walker Wobbin. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Sometimes there's a delay between crying out to God in prayer and seeing those prayers answered. It is imperative for us in those times that we don't waver in our confidence in our God. The next verse goes on to say, For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. You see, the delay between supplication and delivered answer is one of the ways God develops endurance in us. He desires that the roots of our faith grow down deep that we become trees planted by rivers of living water, steadfast, immovable, always abounding in His work. In this, we grow beyond superficial Christianity. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. 
This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. The gender identity of today's girls is one of the most difficult spiritual battlegrounds for today's families. The world tells our children that a girl's identity lies in whom she says she is or isn't, that the ability to determine her core essence depends on her own fragile understanding to decide. Barner Research found that one-third of teens say gender is how a person feels inside, not their birth sex, but believers know this to be false. This concept of gender fluidity isn't something we can ignore. Today's girls must learn that God has created them in this body, in this time, for a purpose, empowering our daughters to live in the truth of their God-given femininity starts with a steadfast faith in Christ. Like what you've heard? Learn more about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. May I tell you about 17-year-old Esther in Africa? Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International. Esther is only 17. She's part of the famous Maasai tribe in Kenya. It's a country that I visited not too long ago. Girls like Esther, they're subjected to Maasai traditions that are not taught in the Bible, including female circumcision and polygamy, where a man has many wives, and some younger than Esther are forced into arranged marriages against their will. Now, having endured this mistreatment, Esther lived with bitter unforgiveness until a Bible League volunteer introduced her to the hope of the gospel And now she's led dozens of teen girls and young adult women to Jesus, and she's praying for Bibles so they can grow in their walk with Him. And that's exactly why Bible League is inviting you to send God's Word to Bibleless believers around the globe at only $5 a Bible. $100 sends 20 Bibles, and friends of Bible League will match every single gift. Call 800-YES-WORD, 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 or click sendbiblesnow.org, sendbiblesnow.org. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to AFA at the Core here on the American Family Radio Network. I'm Walker Wildman. Glad to have you with us today. Continuing our discussion about the spending package in Congress. And the deadline for that is very, very soon. I think it's if it's not today, it's sometime in the next few days that Congress has to uh, pass this uh, $3.5 trillion or something like it spending bill to uh, keep everything rolling in Washington, D.C. Well, uh, a Democrat representative uh, went on CNN talking about the spending package and the reconciliation bill and all of this being debated in Washington, D.C. And to prove that this is a Democrat Party problem, here is a member of the Democrat Party, Jayapal, if I'm pronouncing her uh, uh, last name correctly. But she goes on CNN and she says, our party uh, basically cannot agree on what we're going to pass. Clip seven. If the infrastructure bill, uh, the $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill, does come to the floor on Thursday for a vote without any action, any formal action yet on the reconciliation package, the $3.5 trillion reconciliation package, how will you vote? I will not be able to support that, and neither will the majority of our members. And let's just be clear, we are ready to support that if people stick to the deal we originally made. That was the deal coming out of the Senate. It's why 12 Democratic senators said that, you know, and signed a letter recently saying that was the commitment they were given, is they vote for the bipartisan infrastructure bill, and then we in the House finish the reconciliation bill with the Senate, agree on that package, 
pass that package, and then we would uh, pass the infrastructure bill. So, you know, this is too important to leave people behind. We are not going to do that. There is a Democrat saying that, that we got to pass both of these bills. If we don't pass our wish list uh, infrastructure package, then the reconciliation package doesn't pass and vice versa. Both of these things have to go together, totaling $5 trillion. Uh, and, and, and the left wing of the party, the left wing Democrats, they know that if they don't go ahead and get this wish list infrastructure package done with the reconciliation package, with the budget, then it's not going to get done. It's going to get uh, stuck in Congress. They're not going to be able to get the vote. So they're trying to pair these two things together and and pass them both at the same time. That's where the issue is. It has little, if anything, to do with the Republicans. Uh, shifting gears, there was a, a good news item out of Tennessee, Putnam County, P-U-T-N-A-M, Putnam County in Tennessee, uh, they got in this scuffle, this legal scuffle, with Americans United for Separation of Church and State about praying at football games and whether employees, whether coaches uh, can can participate, can lead uh, a prayer at the end or the beginning or any part of a football game or any other sporting event for that matter. And I won't bog you down in the details of the of the school and their administrators going back and forth with this uh this anti-God law firm, uh, Americans United for Separation of Church and State. But I will tell you that many of the parents were so irked, and that's the word from this uh, Western Journal article, they were so irked by this decision, I'll just read this directly, which they saw as a religious attack. Dustin Whitfield was one of them, and he and other parents decided to show support at the football game against Stone Memorial High School on Friday. This was back uh, about a week or two ago. But nonetheless, uh, all these parents ended up getting together, and they all went out on the field and prayed after the game. Uh, They had uh, dozens of of citizens, dozens of citizens from the local area, and many parents of school students, um, and they just went out and uh, started praying. Um, Here is what Whitfield said. This is a parent by the last name of uh, Whitfield. He said, we do realize this is a public school, but it has always been optional for players to pray and has been a voluntary event. Players uh, that still want to pray will have to do it on their own. After the game, players and cheerleaders that choose to will be on the field praying on their own. A group of parents will be going out on the field to support them. We will join hands and encircle them from a distance as a sign of protection and solidarity and choosing to continue to pray. This is a parent-led event. We are encouraging anyone that would like to show their support to please Uh, join us. So a little something backfired and probably more people are praying now after these sporting events than were praying before. So good for those parents in Putnam, Tennessee for supporting their students, for supporting their kids and continuing to pray uh, after this sporting event. Good for them. And I encourage parents across the country uh, to push back, to fight back against the anti-God haters that want to shut uh, any type of conversation our discussion about Christianity out of our public schools, uh, we have to continue to fight against that because that's not how our founding fathers uh, intended for this country to operate. Um, moving to the uh, what's going on in Afghanistan, the uh, Trey Yankst, he is a Fox News reporter, and you notice the media is not talking much about this anymore, but Trey Yankst put out a a post the other day about the latest goings on in Afghanistan. And here's what he said. 
this uh, tweet was last week, September 23rd. He said thousands of people are still trying to flee Taliban-controlled Afghanistan. U.S. green card holders, people who live and pay taxes in the United States, are trapped. We met a man today who runs two businesses in Atlanta. He's stuck with his family right now in Kabul. We also talked to a group of former U.S. embassy workers. They proudly showed me photos inside the embassy working for the Americans. One had an email from the deputy chief of missions. They are still in Kabul despite promises that they would be evacuated. There are still U.S. citizens here as well. The daughter of that man from Atlanta that I mentioned has a U.S. passport. We've met multiple American passport holders still in Kabul. Some made it out on Qatari flights. Others did not. Uh, So this narrative that all Americans got out, anyone who wanted out, they got out, uh, that's simply not true. There are still Americans stuck in Afghanistan. Uh, Jumping to my uh, clip list, I want to play one clip. This is from um, a couple weeks ago, but this is uh, Suzanne Clark. She's an economist. She was on Fox Business talking about uh, when we can get back to economic health. That was the question about when we can get back to economic health, and she pairs uh, physical health with economic health. Let's listen to this, clip one. Let's start with COVID. Do businesses benefit if more employees get the jab? And what's the chamber's position on the Biden administration rule that businesses mandate vaccines or weekly testing? Well, thank you so much for that question. We're not going to get back to economic health until we get back to physical health. So we're eager for the United States to get back to health, for the globe to get back to health. All right. Well, some say, well, what's the problem there uh, with that statement? And the, the problem is, is that is, that's very subjective. That's very, very uh, surface level that we can't get back to economic health without physical health. All right. That is operating under the assumption that the reason we are in the economic situation we are in today is because of physical health, of the physical health of individuals and citizens across the U.S. I would argue that's not the case. I would argue that's not the case. And this whole blaming everything on COVID, I mean, that is, that is, talk to any economist, talk to anybody who knows what's going on with the supply chain, with corporations, with hiring all this going on with our economy, which is a disaster, really has little to do with COVID, if anything to do with COVID, um, because the coronavirus is, is, is strictly an upper respiratory virus. Uh, COVID doesn't shut down supply chains. COVID doesn't stop companies from being able to hire employees. And you can say, yeah, yeah, but this goes back to the whole pandemic and, and the economy shut down. And uh, not really. Uh, all of this has to do with the policies that have been enacted since Joe Biden got in the White House because President Trump had this economy coming back from this artificial recession, meaning it was a, a, a government-induced uh, recession because everybody shut down on their own volition. But President Trump and others had this economy coming back. We had jobs being filled. I mean, there was really not a huge problem going on. The supply chain, yes, was continuing to strengthen and get back up to full speed. Uh, But fundamentally, the economy was back. It was coming back, and it was expanding and growing. And then, boom, here comes Joe Biden into the White House and putting in all kinds of policies in place to completely destroy the economy. So that's what we're experiencing now. Uh, That's what we're experiencing now. Very little of this has to do 
with COVID. And my good friend, JJ Jasper, who's on our, uh, on our music side of the network every morning, you know, he jokes about how everybody likes to blame things on COVID now. You know, you can't get your Coke uh, filled up at McDonald's well because of COVID. <laughs> you, can't, uh, you can't go inside a restaurant. You just have to use the drive-thru. Oh, because of COVID. <laughs> and the list goes on. We've all heard the examples. Well, well, you know, we, uh, we don't have that refrigerator in stock, you know, because of COVID. <laughs> no, it has to do with how y'all are running your business and how our economy is operating. It has little to do with an upper respiratory illness, but let's blame it on that because who can argue with the saying, quote, because of COVID? Um, uh, but our, our, our economy is fundamentally having problems because of the Biden administration and the terrible policies that they have implemented. So I would argue this isn't as much to do with physical health as it has to do with economic policies and how those policies are just not working right now in America. And I read a story the other day where um, we've got uh, dozens, I read 60, maybe more by now, 60 boats, uh, shipping container boats, uh, cargo ships that are sitting off of the ports in both New York uh, City and in Los Angeles or off the coast of California because they don't have enough workers to offload those uh, uh, container boats, those cargo ships, in those ports. Uh, so these folks are just, these big ships are just sitting out there with nobody to unload the containers. Well, that has nothing to do with COVID. That has everything to do with companies not being able to get people back to work. Well, Walker, why can't they get people back to work? Well, because our federal government's been paying them more to sit on the couch than they have to come back to work. That's why folks are not going back to work. Not only that, but we have this massive demand, this massive supply demand, uh, without the proper infrastructure and personnel to fill those orders. Uh, when you pump trillions of dollars into the economy and you don't have enough uh, a scalability and employees to fill and meet the needs for the demand, then this is what you get. You get a lot of uh, log jams in the supply chain and in the economy. Moving on from that topic, kind of, but staying on the whole COVID topic, you know, I covered a story last week where are, uh, we have hundreds, we don't know specifically how many, and we really don't need to know because this deals with national security, uh, but we have at least hundreds of U.S. Navy SEALs that don't want to get the jab. They don't want to have to get the jab for multiple reasons, and we shouldn't really sit here and critique their reasons, as a matter of fact, uh, because they're citizens, they're Americans, they serve our military, they ought to be able to make medical decisions on their own uh, without the U.S. government and all of us critiquing them and their medical decisions. I mean, I don't want people critiquing me and my private personal medical decisions, so why are we critiquing them? Uh, but nonetheless, these Navy SEALs, they're suing to defend their rights to not be forced with this injection. And one of the uh, gentlemen, one of the lawyers defending them is Davis Younts. Let's listen to him talking about how Navy SEALs, some of them, don't want to be forced to get the jab. Clip two. Hundreds, apparently, of Navy SEALs who will leave a force that's only about 2,500 men very soon over these COVID vaccine mandates, correct? That's absolutely right. And I want to say thank you on behalf of my clients for bringing this to the attention of the American people. We need their help. My clients are Christian men. They're men of faith. 
Their faith informs every decision that they make. And really what they need is more time. The way this is being rolled out to my clients and many other members in the military is arbitrary. They're being given these really tight deadlines. They just don't have time to explore all the options and the rights. And the worst of it is they're being told, you're gonna go into a non-deployable status if you don't do this. And I think, and my clients strongly believe that is going to impact military readiness. That's, uh, that's a huge story there. Hundreds. We don't know if that's 200, 150, 700, 900. Uh, but the quote there was hundreds of U.S. Navy SEALs who don't want to have to get the jab. Um, and the reason this is important for multiple reasons, but this affects national security. This affects national security, Our, us having the, the troop level, the special forces levels, uh, to respond to threats around the world and uh, around, uh, uh, around the world. So this is a problem that potentially we could see hundreds of, of U.S. Navy SEALs terminated or taken off the battlefield because they won't get this, uh, this jab, this experimental uh, jab. And I, I covered a story yesterday, or if I didn't, I'm covering it now, but Massachusetts, um, they're, they're having uh, dozens, if not hundreds, of their state troopers retire or resign because they don't want to have to get the jab. And I was reading where uh, that uh, department, the Mississippi State Police Department or the State Trooper Department, they're already facing staffing shortages. They're already in, in, a, in a bad situation when it comes to staffing, uh, but here they are about to force uh, dozens, if not hundreds, of state troopers in Massachusetts off of the, uh, of the front line because they won't get the jab. And so what kind of position is this going to put our country and our economy in, our workforce in, if we're about to fire? I mean, America's firing people left and right for not getting this jab. That is a major, major problem. And we're not talking about this just affecting the person who gets laid off or who gets fired. We're talking about affecting public safety. If we don't have state troopers to keep us safe, we don't have police officers, we don't have nurses uh, to to serve, to work, then how are we going to meet the needs of our system? How are we going to meet the needs of the people? And it's just so ironic that here we are at a place in our country where we're about to start firing nurses during a pandemic because they won't get the jab. These nurses, many of them, have been working on the front lines of healthcare for 20 months with in front of COVID, day in, day out. Many of them have actually already had COVID, so they got natural immunity. We're about to fire them. We're about to just fire them, and we've already have a healthcare system strain. This is absolutely insane. AFA at the core, I'm Walker Wildman. We'll be back in just a few minutes. AFA Announcing AFA.net slash connect. It's the one click that will link you to so many AFA platforms. Pick and choose which updates you want to receive. Easily subscribe or unsubscribe. American Family Studio. And to quote our privacy policy, American Family Association will not sell, rent, or lease your personal information to outside organizations. AFA Journal. Make a better connection with AFA at AFA.net slash connect. When you hear this... 
This is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. The following are real life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call and immediately I felt relieved. They contacted all of our creditors and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. Pastor Joseph Parker. We live in a world full of people who are living their lives. They're doing what they do. They work. They buy homes. They have children. They live their lives. But you know, the Word of God clearly tells us, Seek first the kingdom of heaven and its righteousness, and all these things shall be added. Yet for many people, again, their goals are, well, I'm just kind of seeking my own dream and want happiness. I want life. I want to be fulfilled. I want to do what I want to do. The purpose of life is not to fulfill our dreams. It's to fulfill God's dreams and how important that is. Lord, speak to every listener. Help them to recognize, Lord, that you have a work and a will and design for every one of our lives. You have a calling upon each of our lives. Our job is to be listening to your word and your spirit and doing what you call us to do. Help us to answer that call. We thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to AFA at the Core here on the American Family Radio Network. My name is Walker Wildman. Glad to be with you here on the show today. Don't forget to check out our website, AFR.net. AFR. .net is our website. On that uh, website, you can see the AFA at the Core show page. Uh, check it out. You can find the latest podcast and listen at your convenience. Uh, you can do the same thing on the app. Uh, so that's a way to multiple ways to listen to the show. And of course, lastly, you can subscribe to AFA at the Core wherever you listen to podcasts. Wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it be Spotify on your Apple device, on your Android device, uh, whatever podcast store you like to go and visit. You can subscribe to AFA at the core, of of course, for free. You can do that. Uh, No gimmicks, no tricks. It's free to listen to American Family Radio and AFA at the core. Speaking of uh, people being fired or leaving their positions because of being uh, forced or attempted to be forced to take this COVID jab. And let me just reiterate, if you're just now tuning into the show, you haven't heard me in past weeks. Um, according to Johns Hopkins' own website, when you st- when you read about uh, their explanation, their definition, 
uh, their protocol when it comes to vaccines, which what we're talking about with the COVID jab is not really a vaccine by definition. It's more of just a shot because it doesn't perform like a traditional vaccine. So we can't start changing definitions that we've had for uh, 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 decades, if not hundreds of years. Instead, um, this shot is, um, according to Johns Hopkins, in order to produce and roll out a vaccine, it takes five to 10 years minimum. And then uh, Johns Hopkins says sometimes it takes 15 years to develop and study a vaccine, a shot. It takes five to 10 years minimum, sometimes 15 years to fully develop and study a shot to where there is full confidence that when doctors and scientists say, hey, X shot, this shot is fully safe and effective, they actually have the data to back it up. They have years and years and years and thousands of clinical trial patients to actually back up that data. Uh, but here we are, we fast-track this thing, whatever you think about that. Uh, we've put this thing on Operation Operation Warp Speed in the last 20 months. Uh, the shot's been only on the market for the public consumption since about December of 2020. Uh, so we're talking under a year of this thing being out, rolled out to the public. Um, and, and Johns Hopkins' own website says five to 10 years minimum, 15 years sometimes, to get a vaccine rolled out to the public and where scientists and doctors can confidently say that, that a shot is safe and effective. So that that basis, that logic, that reasoning that I'm explaining to you is why some people are going, hey, I might just wait on this thing. I might just wait five to seven years or three years and, and see what the clinical trials show before I just start injecting myself with something that's unproven. All right? So, so we got to be careful, those out there that want to criticize people for not getting the jab. Whoa, 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 back up. The facts, the science, the data backs up actually more the people who are hesitant. The people who are hesitant actually have more logic. They have more science. They have more studies, more standards, more ethics to back them up for being hesitant, for wanting to wait. And let's just make sure, let's make doubly sure before I just start injecting something into my body that, hey, this thing is fully safe and effective. And it's not just safe and effective based on three months of data. No, it's safe and effective based off five or 10 years of clinical trials. Um, so that's the kind of backgrounder there. Uh, for those who haven't been listening to the show. Nonetheless, I move on. The L.A. school district enrollment, Los Angeles, that is, in California, their school district enrollment dropped by 27,000 students year over year. Well, one of the reasons is they're forcing the jab on all employees and all kids over 12 years old. That marks a 6% drop year over year. The uh, enrollment for the L.A. school district went from 466,229 students in 2020. That's the average enrollment there in 2020 to 439,000 uh, students. Uh, so once again, 29, I'm sorry, 27,000 roughly students uh, dropped out of the L.A. school district. Some of those probably went to homeschool. Some of them probably went to private education. Some of them might have just moved out of L.A maybe just moved out of California, it doesn't say. Uh, but this is having an effect, and many families, many parents across the country are saying they've had enough for multiple reasons of these public education systems. And to them, I say good for them. Uh, good for them, good for them uh, making that choice to bring their kids out and hopefully put them in a better environment 
and not had to subject them to an experimental uh, jab. Well, somebody else other than myself who is spreading a little bit of common sense is an NBA player. He plays for the uh, Magics. Uh, I'm assuming they're still based out of Orlando. Uh, His name is Jonathan Isaac, and Jonathan Isaac was having this press conference, I guess after training or after practice one day. You know, they go out, do about 30 minutes or an hour press conference, take all kind of questions. Well, uh, this NBA player named Jonathan Isaac, he went out, and the media started asking him about whether he had the jab or not. And so we're going to hear about a minute and 54 seconds of Jonathan Isaac responding to the media clip three. Jonathan, Josh Robbins with The Athletic. Uh, what is it about the vaccine that, that makes you uh, hesitant to, to, to get it? Uh, I, I would start with um, I've had COVID. Um, in the past. And so our, our understanding of antibodies, of natural immunity has uh, changed a, a great deal from the onset of the pandemic and is still evolving. Um, I understand that the vaccine would uh, um, help if, if, if you catch COVID and uh, you'll be able to have less symptoms um, from contracting it. But with me having COVID in the past and having antibodies um, with my current um, age group and uh, uh, fitness, physical fitness level, um, it's not necessarily a fear of mine. Uh, taking the vaccine, um, like I said, it would decrease my chances of uh, uh, having a severe reaction, but it does open me up to the, albeit rare chance, but the possibility of having an adverse reaction to the vaccine itself. Um, I don't believe that being unvaccinated means infected or being vaccinated means um, uninfected. You can still catch COVID um, with or without having the vaccine. Um, I would say, honestly, the, the, the craziness of it all in terms of not being able to say that it should be everybody's fair choice without being demeaned or um, talked crazy to doesn't uh, make one comfortable to do what said person is uh, telling them to do. Um, yeah, I, I would say that's, that's a couple of the reasons that, um, you know, I would say I, I'm hesitant at this time, but at the end of the day, uh, I don't feel that it is, um, you know, anyone's reason to come out and say, well, this is why or this is not why. It should just be their decision. And, um, you know, loving your neighbors, not just loving those that, that agree with you or look like you or uh, move in the same way that you do. It's, it's uh, uh, you know, loving those who don't. Well, how refreshing. How refreshing. And for anyone to claim that this is a partisan issue, this is a R versus D issue, um, or this is a conservative versus liberal issue, this is not. This is a common sense issue versus a non-common sense issue, whatever you want to call that. Um, but this this issue crosses party ideological lines. Uh, there are people from all kinds of backgrounds, all kind of uh, uh, um, whatever they do with for their for their job, their employment. People from all cr- kind of backgrounds that are uncomfortable with this. And you can talk about people in the construction industry. I can play clips of NBA players. I can play clips of, of, of common political commentators. I can play clips of all kind of people that do all kind of things to earn a living, and many of them are uncomfortable with. And, and I don't know how you disagree with Jonathan Isaac. I mean, the way he explained that, it's like, yeah, that makes common sense. Why would I argue with that? Uh, but you'd be surprised how many people that we would have uh, that would argue with what the NBA player there, uh, Jonathan Isaac, said. He said, I've got natural immunity. I've got natural immunity. And apparently with the, with the jab, you can still get uh, COVID and spread COVID. So uh, that's that's the facts behind that. Um, another uh, gentleman who 
uh, is spreading a little bit of common sense is a fellow by the name of Bradley Bill, and he's also an NBA player. He plays for the Washington Wizards. Uh, Bradley Bill at another press conference this week explaining to the media, giving them a little bit of a lesson as to why he's not getting the jab. Clip four, let's listen. Every player, every person in this world is going to make their own decision for themselves. Um, I would like an explanation to, you know, people with vaccines. Why are they still getting COVID? If that's something that we are supposed to highly be protected from, like, it's funny that, oh, it reduces your chances of going to the hospital. It doesn't eliminate anybody from getting COVID, right? So everybody, is everybody in here vaxxed? I would assume, right? So you all can still get COVID, right? Okay, but you can still get COVID, right? So, and you can still pass it along with the vax, right? I'm not asking, I'm just asking the question. Sure. Until like happened COVID back around the Olympics, like that. Basically, just saying like I don't know words in your mouth, but having it change your opinion one way or another, like that, it kind of reemphasized. I don't need the vaccine. No, 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 no. That didn't. That wasn't the case. I mean, yeah, I had it, but that doesn't mean I can't get it again. You know, I mean, it's no different than somebody with the vaccine. Like I can. Yes, I developed antibodies for it, so my chances will be less likely now as well, right? But it's still a possibility. I may get it. Just like there are players and coaches and staff who are vax and missing camp right now because of it. So, Yeah, and one thing I'll add to that, a little dose of common sense, is that people who have natural immunity actually multiple tons of times, tenfold times, uh, more uh, uh, protected than people with the jab. Uh, there are studies all over the place. Some studies say the jab lasts three months. Some studies say it lasts five months. At most, they're talking six to eight months as far as the jab being waning off and its effectiveness. Uh, but there's study after study, and this goes even pre-SARS-CoV-2, uh, that natural immunity is long-lasting. It's durable. It lasts years and years. For, there are people that got the first SARS outbreak back in early 2000s they still got the antibodies from that. They've 20 years later, they've still got the antibodies from that original SARS-CoV virus out of China. Imagine that, out of China, another virus. But um, natural immunity, historically, scientifically, has been understood to be long-lasting and very durable. And I played a clip of the U.S. Surgeon General spouting off absolute lies, and he knows it. This, these guys are smart. There's no way they don't know this. If I'm a talk show host from Mississippi and I know this, there's no way they don't know it. And he said that, that vaccine immunity is better than natural immunity. He said the immunity from the jab is better than natural immunity. That is a flat-out lie. That is not true. And there's no way he doesn't know that with his, with his skill set, with his record, with his education. There is no way he doesn't know that. And if he does, I will be surprisingly shocked. And if, if he doesn't know that, then he shouldn't be serving as U.S. Surgeon General. That answers that question. He should not be serving as U.S. Surgeon General if he does not understand the basic fact and reality that natural immunity is 10 times, if not 20 times, or 30 times better than a fake immunity from the vaccine. He should know that, uh, but they keep spewing off these lies, and, 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 and di they're the ones spreading disinformation. 
Uh, they, they, they accuse us of spreading misinformation and disinformation. They're the one keep confusing people. The CDC has changed their standards like 30 times. It's three feet. It's six feet. It's 10 feet. Wear a mask. Don't wear a mask. Wear a cloth one. Wear a surgical mask. Back and forth they go like a circus trying to confuse the American public. Um, a little dose of truth here, man. We are just on the truth train today on AFA at the core. I've got to play this clip. Listen to Victoria, Australia official talking about the percentage of hospital patients who have the jab. Clip five. We also have 375 people with COVID in hospital at the moment. 81 of those are in intensive care and 61 are on a ventilator. Of the people who were in hospital yesterday, 78% were vaccinated and 17 were partially vaccinated. In regards to tests. Well, that is an official from Victoria, Australia, providing us with information that 78% of their hospital patients are fully jabbed. They're fully vaccinated, according to Victoria, Australian officials. And that's why I warn people, before you just start spewing off this these talking points that, ooh, safe and effective, ooh, safe and effective, ooh, safe and effective, let's wait a little while because there's this thing called data that takes a long time to collect and a long time to publish. And here we are, here we are, I don't know, about 10 to 11 months post-COVID jab launch to the American public and the world. And today... Late September 2021, 78% of hospital patients in in, uh, Victoria, Australia, they're fully vaccinated. They're fully vaccinated. How do you explain that? Well, that's what happens when you have a jab, when you have a shot that doesn't work how it's supposed to work. You have 80% of hospital patients in Victoria, Australia that are fully vaccinated. Crazy, crazy, crazy. AFA at the core. I'm Walker Wildman. So glad to be with you on the airwaves today. Hey, we'll be back next time with more of AFA at the core. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.